everyone. Um, in today's episode, I'm joined with Jen. And in today's episode, is going to be um, a really interesting one because Jen is going to talk to us about what, what she does, uh, a little bit of who she is. And, um, uh, and, and the topic is going to be autism today. So f- thank you, Jen, for, for, for joining me today. Thank you for having me. This is really nice mm-hmm. to be here with you. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be a fun talk, isn't it? Because um, it's, um, yeah, it's, it, it's gonna be a nice talk about like what you do and everything. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of new to being on video, but you made me feel really comfortable, and I'm ready to share what I know. Yeah. Um. So Jen, um, if you could do a little introduction for me, just say to anyone listening who you are. Yes, thank you. Um, So my name is Jen Slayton, and I founded the company called Autism 360 Support, and I am a psychotherapist and a coach, and um, my specialty is neurodiversity and particularly autism. I actually come from a neurodiverse family. Nobody was diagnosed and I have a lot of, I have a lot of confusion and self-esteem issues because we just didn't, weren't understanding each other. And I felt like everything was because of me, which is what children do is they take on responsibility for everything around them. And I just kind of drifted in like high school and college years. I just drifted into working with autistic people and I felt like I had this kind of um, connection that other people, other people that were working with me didn't have. And I saw beyond um, the approach at the time was to, we wanna change behavior and it doesn't really matter about the person or the feelings or the emotion. And I always felt that um, that person inside. And um, at that time, the autistic people that were getting diagnosed had more external um, obvious kind of traits. So there was more like stimming and lack of communication and that kind of thing. And so anyway, I always felt this special connection and it wasn't until in the middle of my adult life that I started to realize that my own family was neurodiverse And I myself have traits, but I'm not to the cat to where I would be diagnosable. But it was just the hugest aha moment. And I'm like, oh my God, I I couldn't see what was in front of me. And um, it made sense, my life path, my connection to autism, my love for autistic people. And um, so I just, in my psychotherapy, I do work with, the general population, but I do specialize in autism. So I work with a lot with parents or adults um, in a therapy setting. And I've also worked with couples, which it happens a lot that uh, one of the partners is not diagnosed. And so understanding just like it was for me, when you understand the diagnosis and how the brains are wired differently, it makes a huge difference. And then the other thing that I've done, I worked for 20 years as an in-home consultant. So I'd go into the family home where they, there was an autistic child or a child that had other like neurodiverse challenges. And I 
help the parents come up with strategies and even the whole family system, how to support everybody in the family. And I just, I just love that job. I just loved meeting the families and being hands-on so I could actually kind of model and see changes. And that hands-on experience has really helped me to understand the types of things that work and don't work and that um, support children and support families. And so um, I've always wanted to do online coaching and I had started doing it for years. I never had the time. And so when COVID hit, <laughs> I had some time. So I finished my website and I started, you know, going on Clubhouse and Instagram, which is social media is all new for me <laughs> and meeting fantastic people and just kind of spreading what I know. And I think the basic thing that about me is that I look at mental health issues and I look at the emotional needs and in combination with how do you function in a neurotypical world. So um, that was longer than I thought I would talk about myself. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, it's, it's very interesting, Jen, like, like hearing about like um, you was a consultant before. So you've, you, you had, uh, even like when you was at school, you, you had like um, quite a lot of knowledge of um, autism, and and I come from a family, as you say, that um, has autism, and and then like I say, pretty much most of your life you've known autism, I'd say, because like for, from school, and then going as a, a consultant in, in in people's homes, and then and then now uh, what you're doing like with your coaching, like online as well, talking to different people. Um, so you, you, you're quite um, knowledgeable, I'd say, about autism. Yeah. <laughs> yes, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, it just kind of came naturally to me because of the family. I think it was just kind of in the in our wired into our brains. And so it was very familiar in that way. Yeah. 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 Um, and with like w working with different people do you have like methods what you do or, or like, like 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 before like seeing them in person would you say well it depends um before I see them I don't um have a lot of strategies beforehand if you know if it's a child and if they have evaluations or in the U.S. we call them IEPs it's a school like their goals for school and stuff. I will look that those kind of things over. But basically, because I've been doing this for so long and because I also have this kind of intuitive feel, I just sit down with people and do my first session is a, I ask lots of questions. And for me, when I hear something, it I go in a certain direction because I, I recognize it. So I don't need to go through checklists and have people fill out all of that material because um, it, it, just, it just comes to me. And I find checklists are a little limiting anyway, you know, symptom checklist. 
Yeah. Because when I do them and it's like sometimes always never. And I'm like, well, it doesn't quite fit. Like <laughs> it depends on the situation. So when I'm interviewing people, I can be totally flexible and um, it doesn't really take me that long to get to the heart of things. Um, so yeah, does that answer your question? Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, it does. Um, like, was it um, like in code where, where you started like, like, like coaching and, and, and doing it? Um, but was that where it all started from there? Like, as you said, you had more free time. The why I'm starting coaching. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's really um, kind of a, I think it's a calling because it's not easy for me to be this public. It's been kind of my own um, internal journey. I think it's kind of a spiritual journey and my own growth to be able to talk about myself and kind of network and put myself out there has been really a challenge. So it would have been easier for me to not do it. <laughs> so I think, and I also feel that I have, I don't know, this is kind of hard for me to say, it makes me a little self-conscious, but I feel like I have some unique gifts because of the psychotherapy. I have training as a behaviorist. Um, so I understand when there's really severe behaviors, techniques and strategies that can be really helpful, but I pair it with the emotional part of it, the mental health part of it. And that's been something, at least in the US, I think has been so missing is to just look at what well, we want to correct behaviors so that autistic individuals can fit into a neurotypical world and they can act neurotypical and disregard the toll and the trauma that that takes on people. Um, and so I think that's like, like I said, kind of a calling for me to help spread that word and help people. Um, it's so moving to me when I help people figure, adults figure out their diagnosis um, and I can't legally diagnose people outside of California where I'm licensed, but I can help people understand their symptoms and help them put a label to it. And I even get teary talking about it. It's so life-changing because they've always felt there's something wrong with them. They don't understand why they can't fit in. They, all of this stuff. And when they the majority of people when they uh, they figure out what it is, is such a relief and it's so life-changing and I just I just love doing it it's so in my heart and so I, I pushed myself to get out in the world <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah because uh, yeah I, I think that's good and it's a good you enjoy it as well because um you don't want it, like you wouldn't do it if you didn't enjoy it would you <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. I know I feel so lucky because I do think some people have jobs that they don't like and that are drudgery and to be able to find my passion and live my passion is I feel really blessed about that yeah yeah uh, yeah I think it's good and like I suppose it keeps you busy <laughs> yes it yeah. does it does and it's always challenging I I take 
I've decided that I'm going to just take little steps at a time instead of blasting myself on social media because I it's too stressful for me and too overwhelming. So um, like yeah. this is my second podcast. So it's now it's getting a little easier. I do some lives on Instagram and that was really hard and now that's getting easier. So yeah. 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 I've done some lives on Instagram as well, but um, like I do it on my phone and get an arm mate because <laughs> I'm holding it. Oh. Um, <laughs> um, only because I don't do it often. Like You have to get a stand for your phone. That's very important. Yeah, I, I should, shouldn't I? <laughs> um, my phone's pretty new. I only got it this year. Oh, end of last year, actually, for, for, for Christmas. And I haven't I haven't got, like, I should get a stand, but it's it's like planning where I'm going to sit and everything, I think. Um, yeah. But, but, but yeah, they are good, like, Instagram lives, but they can be stressful as well with everyone. Like, you can see all the comments, can't you, as you're talking. And, um reading them while talking to other people is to be good at multitasking <laughs> well i actually do it with a, a partner and a friend of mine so we do them together yeah and we interview people so we have autistic adults and parents of autistic kids and then she's the one that reads the comments because <laughs> <So, laughs> i find it really hard yeah because then i lose my train of thought and yeah 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 it's, it's probably best for you to not do that bit then Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like, like, um, talking about mental health, like, um, I feel like ever since the pandemic, like when it started, um, that has been talked about a little bit, 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 bit more than before. Um, do, would you agree? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Um, so many people are struggling and, I think there's not enough resources for people. Um, something positive that has come out of it um, for me and for a number of autistic people is we started, have you heard of the Clubhouse app? Yeah, yeah, I have. Yeah, yeah. so it's an app and it's audio. So people, you, you have a picture that represents yourself, but it's no, no visual interaction and there's a wonderful autism community there where we have, they call them rooms where you come and meet to discuss topics. And um, I've made some really amazing connections and friends. And there's a lot of people that are being validated by again, feeling alone and feeling different and finding out that that's not true. And that to me was a, blessing that came out of the pandemic for a lot of people because we had the time <laughs> we had looking for ways to connect you know and it's a relatively new app so yeah 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 i haven't heard of it long um <laughs> like a person came actually on and and that, that they used it as well um and um that they talked to me about it and uh, they first mentioned it to me and uh, uh I, 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 the first thing that comes to mind is like a clubhouse in like um like a, in a caravan park or something like that <laughs> because, <laughs> because it, if you don't explain it to someone that doesn't know what clubhouse is that's what they probably think oh look that's so true yeah you got, yeah, yeah. You got a clubhouse and uh, i could be thinking yeah. jen jen are you, are you been out clubbing <laughs> at the clubhouse <laughs> <laughs> yeah yes 
Well, we can, um, I soon put my contact information there. And if people want to find out more or kind of connect with that community, I can help them with that. Yeah. 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 I, I, I've been like, I, I got the app, I downloaded it and everything, but I haven't actually created an account or anything yet. Yeah. I've, I've been quite busy um, with, yeah. with, with other things, but I, when I have time, I will, I, I would like to like, um, look at it as it's just audio as well like people not seeing your face because i think that's what people worry about um with these kind of apps don't they like um new ones and they don't want to yeah see them but if it's audio yeah. it sounds pretty cool it, it's really nice people like i'll like my dog sometimes when i'm on it and you know <laughs> people are cooking dinner you know so yeah very flexible yeah i, I think it's yeah it, it sounds good but um, who knows? You could use it in a in, in like a clubhouse, couldn't you? Like go go on clubhouse in a clubhouse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, except yeah. it's a little noisy to try to talk on it. Yeah. yeah. But it? I think it's interesting when there's whenever there are um, difficult circumstances, tragedies, traumas. There are things to learn from it, to grow from it there's a silver lining to a lot of things and it's impossible to see when you're in it. But when you look back on things and realize, Oh, wow, if that hadn't happened, I never would have met this person or I never would have learned and grown in this way. So um, that's kind of how I try to look at yeah. horrible events that happen in the world. Yeah. Is and it trying to focus on some of the things, I suppose. Um, yeah, because like these last few years haven't been bright years, have they? Um, I kind we kind of last kind of good year was twenty nineteen, I think. Um, um, the, the beginning part, and but yeah. but hopefully things do improve, and like doing what you're doing, Jen, and other people that do stuff, things they doing, it kind of I suppose yeah. distracts them from what's going on. Um, and like we can't like. Like we have phones, we have um, all, all those kind of things that keep us busy. Right. Well, and I've, I've heard from autistic people and myself as well. I really um, thrived in, and it's still kind of going on here in the US, but in the shutdown, because I realized my energy is... Um, when I'm out and about and in traffic and shopping and all of that stuff, it's, it takes energy from me. I'm very introverted. I like quiet. And I found being able to work from home has been such a blessing. And I've heard from a number of autistic people too that, that really find it um, such a better lifestyle because of all the sensory overload in the world and learning about that because when have we had the chance to just stay home and realizing oh gosh I feel more peaceful and of course it's not for everybody because there are a lot of people that need that stimulation around people and they need to and that was very and is very um very very difficult and can create depression anxiety all of that so there's, you know, both sides of that. 
Yeah. How did you do in the pandemic? How was it for you, the shutdown? Um, I didn't mind it um, because as well, I have an autism. I have an, uh, an I have something that underlines my like um, makes me really vulnerable and um, clinically extremely vulnerable. So I am kind of used to staying in some most of the time. Um, but um, I took that time, the first lockdown, to go out. I think a little bit because I know everyone's going to be indoors. So probably the best bit part to do that, like um, other than at the moment because people there's no restrictions anymore over here but like um like if you test positive um you can don't have to isolate or anything um it's people's own choices now so i think it's harder now than it was before um so it's harder having more choices is that what you're saying it's it's harder to do uh, it's harder for um i suppose to keep safer because more people are out and about oh right right um but do you prefer i mean do you like to be out and about or did you find the yeah so that's been hard for you in an ideal world i I love to be out and about really but um, yeah but how much havoc is caused um it's hard to do that when um people not everyone understands other people's um conditions and yes and everything and and I find most people, well, like it depends on the person, but so some people don't understand, and some people don't want to, and it's it's hard that way when people mm-hmm. when everything changes and like and so something changes, then it's back again. Like like lot the lockdowns, for example, that they're not there, and then they're back, not there, and then they're right, back. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know, you know. Hopefully, it's in the rearview mirror now. Mm. Yeah. yeah, we wouldn't have thought we'd been in a lockdown or even a pandemic, would we, in the first place? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I wouldn't. I, I'm not that surprised, really, because um, like in the UK, yeah, that, that people was getting loads of soaps, loads of toilet rolls, and. Right. Uh, and thinking why do you need that <laughs> we should be keeping clean anyway <laughs> <laughs> yeah that happened here too people were worried that we we're gonna run out so they bought a bottle of toilet paper yeah mm. you know what i did i was playing i have a toilet roll um i played a little uh, there was a little challenge going on where how many like how, how many kicks can you get on the toilet roll <laughs> um <laughs> And other people were complaining that I was doing that because they, they were saying that other people could be using it. And I, in my mind, I was thinking I was doing some fun because we're on lockdown. Right, right. <laughs> well, right. I, I want to do some fun. I'm going to use the toilet roll after, of course. I'm not going to... Why would anyone want it? <laughs> but, but, yeah. It's, it's um, yeah, like, and pandemic is still here. I think at the moment in the UK is it's, it's kind of worse, at the, uh, worse than it actually was at the beginning, like near enough those cases and everything over here. So um, wow. at the minute. Wow, I hadn't heard that. Yeah. 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 So uh, yeah, just keeping safe and keeping busy as we yeah. do, Jen, don't we? <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Well, um, I'm curious, I think you told me, but when were you diagnosed with autism? I was diagnosed um, in the old ages. <laughs> uh, um, um, 2009 I was, and I was nine. And how did your parents, did they tell you? How did they handle that with you? I think um, it was up to them who actually got me the diagnosis. They saw something was there. And um, I don't think I should, I wouldn't have thought, I might have got told straight away, but I pretty much I did just before I got, went to school. Um, so, yeah, I, I was, uh, had to, I, know, I don't remember it all very well, um, like the test and everything, but I know I had, all, I had different tests to get diagnosed. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, and it's actually quite interesting because I spoke to another person from a different country and over in the UK, we have high function and low functioning. And um, and in other countries, they don't have that. They just call it autism, which I think is right. They should be like that in every country. Um, they shouldn't be a low and high function, I, I think, because it just like, it undermines it, doesn't it? So say if you're like high or they're going to think the, the low people aren't as much or the other way around. So it's not fair, is it? Well, I've heard from a lot of autistic adults that want to do away with that and talk about how it, they can be masking so much and people don't see the kind of struggles that they're having. And they, so they may appear, you know, neurotypical, um, but really struggle and maybe come home at the end of the day and just melt down and all of that. So, yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, because, um, yeah, I, I, I wish it was like that over here um like it's just autism like there's, there's no high or low although you can possibly see why they say high and low because some people may look more severe or autistic right. which they feel like they need more help but I, they do but I, they can still do things in their own little way um um and like for, for people like me like my, most people who have autism and um they so called get called they don't look autistic and then um so speaking of a day to people actually who don't like that phrase and um and they say well you're supposed to look like <laughs> so, yeah I think they feel like that you should look more severe if you have autism or you can't do anything but it's right. it's uh yeah it's it's something that probably still well, continues going on yeah and what's really interesting about that is that someone can have more obvious external symptoms and be brilliant and can you know write books and you know express their feelings but if you look at the external you might not be able to see that and think because they don't look more typical that there's that's severe so yeah 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 we all struggle we all have we have like like everyone's and that's why everyone's different have autism because someone that might be a little more severe might be really smart at maths and um a exactly. person who person who doesn't may struggle at it <laughs> so, exactly. so and then in, in a classroom a teacher might be sitting next to a person that looks more severe um and may struggle to speak um mm -hmm. and ask for help um and they might be uh, a mass whiz. They might be the next genius in the world. Exactly. <laughs> um, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, because I went to 
I went to mainstream school and then I went to a special school afterwards. Um, so I experienced both both worlds there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I have run across parents and I think it's particularly issue in some cultures where they don't want to tell their child that they have autism because they think it's a label and they may use it as a crutch or an excuse. Um, and I try to talk to them about that it's the best to help them understand you know, how their brain is wired and that it doesn't mean it's bad, it's just different. And so um, some parents really, really struggle with that. Yeah. But it sounds like you were told, do you believe when soon after you were diagnosed? Yeah, I believe, yeah, yeah, I believe. And I believe the kind of thing it's right everyone to tell them and not wait um because if you tell them later on in life when they realize it themselves it's i think it's harder then and like so they know they're autistic yeah. and they might not know have a clue they probably won't if you tell them if they get diagnosed early like maybe nine when i was but of course you're not going to understand it when even if you're older in life and you're diagnosed with something um, you're not going to know what that is really are you like um, you, we, we, like I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease Jen when I was 16 17 I didn't know what that was I like yeah. Um, yeah. I, I get told what it was um, and it's a it's an illness it's it's like you have it for life and you have to take certain medication and it, it actually it has it impacts you from the mouth down to to your bum or all inside so it's not visible for sometimes but sometimes it can be um like with fatigue and and stuff so um like although autism and a chronic illness are two different things but they do have similar things where they're not also sometimes they're not as visible as other as, as some things like with everything there's a visible thing and not a visible thing so um, yeah, I do feel like like with parents that they yeah. should they should tell them um, child. I suppose it's hard if they are severe because they may not understand. But um, like like what you're telling them sometimes. But um, I think it's good that you kind of like, help the parents maybe to give them the choice to tell uh, their children. Yeah, and a lot of times we'll do that in a session that I'll be there and kind of explain, help explain it. Because um, like I said, it's just understanding what your strengths and weaknesses are, where you need help, what you're good at. And I think some people have, they don't understand really what autism is and they, they have like a Hollywood image of it or think of kids that are self-injurious or something. And so they, they feel they can be in denial of it, like not believe it or have shame. Like there are cultures where it's shameful to have a child with different needs. So, but it's so important. Um, I also work with a lot of ADHD individuals and kids and they grow up, if they're not identified or treated, thinking that they're stupid because they can't focus. And so they have a hard time learning and they can have brilliant minds. But, and then they always get in trouble because they're talking not in class because they're impulsive. Um, and a lot of autistic people also have ADHD too. 
Yeah. And um, it really crushes your self-esteem, um, you know, feeling like you just can't, you know, they start to hate school and all kinds of things. So to explain when I have a child and I explain to them, this is how your brain is wired. You can't help it. You know, you need, you need reminders to do things because your brain doesn't focus. And they're just like, oh, it just changes everything. It changes everything. So yeah, yeah. There's, I think, like it's, it's very important for like parents to understand it. Um, like autism, especially if their their children is. I know, like parents can maybe not accept it themselves. Like their that their child is different and they may not be the same. Brain might work not the same as the parents, which right. which, is, which is which is good <laughs> because we yeah. we don't want to have the same brain now. Yeah. um but 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 yeah it's i suppose it's hard for the parents as well like uh, um mm. just to understand it themselves and find you're right them. there's kind of sometimes a grieving process because they have this expectation that this is how my child is going to be and let's say you know a lot of autistic children have delays in their early development so they might walk late or especially talking can be really delayed and of course parents worry will they ever talk will you know they ever be able to get married have a family go to school so all of those worries start to happen so it is a, a period of adjustment and grief and then there's so many amazing autism parents out there that once they kind of move through that they see a purpose, this child is mine for a reason, and I love my child so much, I'll do anything for them, and they're just amazing. So yeah, it is definitely a process to, to get there. Yeah, yeah, because like, like, yeah, like, like I wasn't a confident person when I was younger. Um, I didn't accept it myself, having, having autism really. Um, I thought it's something that makes me die. Like I'm in school and I'm in. I need more help now. With people with, with some things, um, and then yeah, I I um yeah, it's, it's yeah, it was pretty hard and not accepting it and not being confident. And yeah, I'm confident. I I felt like once I get older, I have grown confident and doing different things to doing different like anybody... courses. Did anybody talk to you about it or help you with those feelings? Did you keep them to yourself? I think, like for for example, in in a class, I wouldn't um say I, I wouldn't ask for help really. Um, like it, for for something from in a classroom with people that are doing the same work as me and they know what they're doing. Um, and I I know what the task is, but I may struggle on this one particular question, and other people are getting it and they're saying it's really easy and the teacher would come over and say and if I'm doing it right and I'll just say yeah just because I didn't want other people to see that I was not doing struggling um so I eventually as the way years went on I did get more confidence because I did different programs and was an ambassador of, of an organization which helped different people as well so they they helped me so I was able to do eventually I did a a program called uh, a reach out speak up program um i was working with an, an, a friend and another ambassador but we taught young children uh, to how to build their confidence and stuff so it's a bit different um so it was 
um, I did it once, the, the year of the pandemic, um, just before it was starting, you know, like the March oh time. Um, and eventually, um, because at that time there was not, nothing, was there? There wouldn't have been no vaccines or, or like uh, tests or anything like that. So we had to be really careful. And, um, and yeah, it worked out that first year. And then the following year, um, beginning of 2021, um, we did it online and it worked, but not as well. But um, because they were so busy like doing other projects, we might go back to that at some point. Um, hopefully when still things approve because they haven't <laughs> really. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. We did think 2022 begin it's going to be a good year. I mean, things are going to improve, but I wouldn't say much has at this minute. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, well, uh, how would you, like, what is, I'm going to switch, I'm going to interview you right now. Yeah. <laughs> what is a couple of things that you would suggest to help build a child's confidence? I would suggest, um, like I, I kind of I it, it, what things I would suggest is um don't um like if you need help don't uh, don't feel like ashamed that you need that help because um because mm-hmm. if you need it you need it and like, like try and speak what you're saying in, in your gut and the feelings um because like I didn't and there were situations if I did I'm um and in, in, in confrontations as well with with, with particular teachers at, at mainstream I, I could have um done that and getting told off of things that that were silly really um there were instances where I get told off for um going to somewhere that I think I was supposed to be and um it all got muddled up with communication and and stuff right. so, so things like that and yeah I think being confident um, I don't think many people it, it, it's very good if you are confident at a young age but the people I spoke to they're very probably more confident than I was when I was younger I was uh, thinking I can't do that I can't do that and, <laughs> and now um, of course I'm confident now otherwise I wouldn't be uh, speaking to you Jen would I <laughs> yeah yeah that's amazing yeah. yeah and I do think a big part of the confidence is to understand that we're all different and that we, I, like, when I was raised, you're supposed to be good at everything. You're supposed to get good grades in all subjects. You're supposed to, you know, learn how to dance and be good at it and all this stuff. And um, people aren't, you know. I mean, there may be a few super people that can do everything well. And then we compare ourselves to those people and feel less than. But as human beings, we have strengths and weaknesses and we can't help how we were born and with our temperaments and the way our brains are wired. So it's not a personal flaw of, you know, and, and kids will take that on that way that kids will feel like it's them. There's something wrong with them and feel ashamed and not want to ask for help. Just like you're saying, and if nobody identifies it, nobody talks to the children and helps support them then they grow up with self-esteem and it can even be traumatizing. Yeah, it can. And like, if you don't get to that support as well, especially when you're younger, like you get felt yeah. to complete it, to be rushed um, and everything. Like, uh, especially like if you're in a classroom and a teacher expects you to complete it in this amount of time and, um, and you can't do it. And then expect everyone, 
the teacher would expect everyone to be uh, do it all. Everyone's the same, like with, with their struggles and and stuff. Exactly. Yeah, that's how it was, and like like um, I say, especially in primary school where you just you're sitting there and everyone has to complete this work. And I was on a table that needed additional help, but um, I don't like. I think now, like, speak to different people, and it's I think it's a little bit different where um teachers actually if they have a class of people that maybe are on the same level and I think that's good like if, if people are on the same level it's not really like that in primary school is it I don't think because um if you're in primary like all different levels and then as soon as you get into high school um s- secondary um you're kind of put in the same bit but um it, it's, it's difficult yeah I, I do really think schools need to adapt to teaching to neurodiversity and different, you know, at least here, you know, I think there are some schools and some programs that are doing that, but for the most part, they don't, you know, there's this one standard for everybody. Yeah. 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 It's, it's like going back to high functioning and low functioning, like, like it should just be called autism really. And then going to, mainstream and special school should just be school school like um we wouldn't need these special schools if other people understood um like in in, in mainstream which is so some people do actually do well with autism in mainstream i think it kind of depends the kind of right. school it is and, right. and maybe how you feel like if you're confident if you're not um but there are kids that do need a smaller environment you know, it's a sensory overload to be in a regular, like here, I don't know, classroom sizes, 30 something kids and you go out to recess and everybody's screaming, running around and everybody has lunch together and it's so loud. And so there's a lot of sensory overload issues too that makes it hard for some people to be able to, I don't know, I think the whole thing needs to be reworked. <laughs> You know, yeah. I'm not an educator, but let's look at the way we teach kids and, you know. Shame we haven't got magic. <laughs> <laughs> well, in, um, I believe it's Norway, they um, have a lot, do a lot more play with kids and they find that their learning improves. We're here in the U.S. They start giving kids homework in kindergarten. It's just, I don't know. You know, and if you have a, a learning challenge and you're in school all day stressed out and then you come home and have to do homework, it's, you know, I've had parents tell me they spent hours trying to get their child to do homework. Yeah. It, yeah, it makes me crazy. I remember coming back from when I was at school and especially mainstream having nearly homework every single day and um, asking them basically get my parents to do it for me because I didn't have a clue what to do um and even getting asked am I having a good day when I get home and stuff and, and just stuff like that where it shouldn't be like that like mm-hmm. it was a big difference when I went to a special school because I, I would get homework uh, I kind of know what to do as well and it wouldn't be every day because <laughs> right. uh, right. um, it, it gets really stressful doesn't it like if you have to have one every day and you have to be completed by next week where you, you're going to get muddled up which is which and and everything so yeah, I think things do need to change. Like, um... Well, I recommend to a lot of parents that I work with, because 
you can hear there's a 504 plan, which is um, not a legal document, but it you can get accommodations in school. And then we have the legal document, which is called the IEP, Individual Education Program, um, to modify homework, to eliminate homework. And I'll tell you one thing that's really common with the autistic brain is if it doesn't make sense to do the homework, if it's redundant, they like shut down. There's just no way that you're gonna get some of these kids to write the sentence five times when I already did it once. What, why have to do it again? <laughs> have you ever experienced that yourself? That, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you have to keep writing it down. <laughs> yeah, but just that um, frustration of I already did it, or I already know this, or this is stupid, why do I have to do it? And just kind of yeah. shutting down around it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You like you shut down, don't you? Because you're 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 not sure what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Well that's that's another part of it as well. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, because it's hard, isn't it? Because like processing it, it may take longer for someone to process something, and for another person, maybe faster. Or they might have a learning disability mm. in, like I said, in math or reading, or you know. So yeah, 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 yeah. It's hard, isn't it? Like it is. It's depending on what you're doing. Like a certain, it might be a certain subject, a certain even day to day life. Um, what you're doing when you're doing it. it it just all depends doesn't it yeah 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 do you have somebody talking in your yeah. on your end i can hear yeah. a voice over there yeah oh i'm not sure <laughs> yeah um but yeah like with um going on into like um special like uh like helping people getting diagnosed jen like how is that for you um, yeah, it's so important. And like I was saying that I, um, I do that for people. And since I've started this coaching, I've been helping people without being able to give them a formal diagnosis because of how licensing works. So I can only do that in the state of California. But um, yeah, it's, it's so important to understand. And it, like I was saying earlier, it's just life changing to realize that I'm not broken, I'm not a mistake, I'm, you know, this is how my brain is wired. And then to meet other people that have the similar kind of brain, it's, it's, it's so life-changing, but it's also really emotional because um, I'm talking about adults that are getting diagnosed in adulthood, but um, it can be so emotional because all those years of struggle and sometimes they'll even have, as they're getting adjusted to the idea, they'll have more um, stress or anxiety because everything that they push down their whole lives is can kind of come to the surface now. Yeah, um, I think that's I think that's great. Um, yeah, I, I, I like I think it's great that you actually help people get diagnosed. Um, I think so. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's especially a huge issue for women because girls on the spectrum tend to not, of course, everybody's different, but it's very common that they are better at masking than boys, that they pick up on 
well, I wonder, look, that person laughs in this situation and they say this phrase in that situation. So they learn to imitate those social interactions and up, but not really understanding why. And so they go through life not being diagnosed because they're really good at masking and hiding. And the diagnosis was derived from autistic male versus looking at there are differences in yeah. boys and girls yeah yeah i think that's great um yeah i, I, I think that's brilliant jen um and just just before we finish because i think it's been really nice talking to you today like hearing about what you do and, and everything like that it's been really interesting um, thank you it's um, my honor to be here yeah is there any final questions that you have for me um or anything um well i want you to come on one of my instagram lives yeah and talk about autism definitely that would be great definitely. okay but definitely i think that's gonna be I, I love to do that like like coming on your instagram lives to talk about autism uh yeah yeah I, i'd love that yeah. that'd yeah. be great yeah well well i look forward to that jen and it's been really nice talking to you it's been a really nice talk Thank you. Me too. I really appreciate you reaching out and inviting me and I really enjoyed it. Thank you. <laughs> it's been, it's been really lovely and we'll definitely like Instagram live soon. Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> Thank you. Bye.